Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zernial, our regular co-host on special assignment today, so I'm going to be lifting the water all by myself, but I'm sure we're going to be okay because, thank you to uh, Christy Romero, our producer, she tracked down somebody I was so excited to talk about. I read an article about the Dog Aging Project. That's right, Dog Aging Project, and I said, I really need to talk to Annette Fitzpatrick, and she is with us. Dr. Fitzpatrick is an epidemiologist and a research professor in the Department of Family Medicine, Epidemiology, and Global Health at the University of Washington. She's been working in the field of aging for nearly three decades. That will be 30 years. Focusing on cardiovascular disease, dementia, cognitive function, and a whole lot more. So, Dr. Fitzpatrick, it is great to meet you. I am thrilled to be here. I, I really am. Thank you for so Tell me a little bit about uh, the Dog Aging Project, because the idea is to take a look at, over a 10-year stretch, apparently, how companion animals, dogs, uh, are doing and how they're aging and what the factors are, and then extrapolate that to humans. Uh, you pretty much hit it on the head. Uh, I've been involved in the work that I've been doing in aging over the last three decades. Uh, it takes a long time to really understand the trajectory of both lifespan and what we call health span, which means uh, you're living disease-free, disability-free, you're healthy, you're happy. And, and it takes a whole person's life just to, to follow that, to try to learn about the different factors that can keep people happy and healthy. And we also have a lot of mice, and they live, you know, three or four years, and we do a lot of things on them to try to understand it and why it has taken so long for someone to realize we have this friend in our homes pretty much living with us, sharing our lifestyle, and, and we can look at dogs to try to understand both uh, how long they live, and then at what point disability begins, at what point disease processes start. So how do we keep our dogs healthier? And this project, we were so lucky, we were funded by NIH, the National Institute on Aging, who really does people research. And this idea was so creative and wonderful because by using the dogs as a model, for healthy aging, we do hope, we're sure we're going to be, ex be able to extrapolate, you know, a lot of factors that help humans. Well, I, I love it because we have a dog. Yeah. I've always had dogs. And uh, we often laugh about, you know, a dog's life is really pretty good because <laughs> all Lucy does is eat, poop, and sleep. No big pressure. Doesn't have to earn any money. Uh, doesn't have to go to work every day. Doesn't, really doesn't do anything other than greet you with a you know wet nose and a wagging tail. Uh, and, and it's pretty cool to think that you're trying to get a sense 
of how we extend that life and how that life uh, has been extended. I, you mentioned mice a minute ago. I used to carry around uh, a little cartoon that showed a bunch of mice in a cage with stacks and stacks labeled saccharin. And one mouse says to the other mouse, you know, I liked it better when we smoked. <laughs> because mice have been the go-to research animal, right? Yeah, pretty much. There was a lot of jumping from what we did in mice, which we know uh, doesn't extrapolate very well to humans. And then all of a sudden we're testing humans. And, and, and the beauty of the dog aging project is that primarily it's observational. All we're doing is watching. You know, we're enrolling the humans. So they tell us about their, their pet. And, and we're, it's sort of a, a complex of three different factors. We want to look at their genes. We want to look at their lifestyles, and then we want to look at the environment. And, and those are the things that we really believe drive a lot, our health, our lives, our happiness. Now, I, I do want to say, you say your dog, Lucy, has nothing to do. She has to love you. She has to protect you. She's got a pretty heavy workload going on there. I'll tell you, you jumped to her defense. Those of you who just joined us, uh, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our very special guest, Dr. Annette Fitzpatrick. She's an epidemiologist and a research professor at the University of Washington. And we are so pleased to have her on talking about the dog project funded through NIH Institute of Aging. And, and Dr. Fitzpatrick, there's so many variables uh, between how one family will raise a dog and another will raise a dog. Differences exactly. in food differences in grooming, differences in vet care and vaccinations. How do you account for all of that? That's what we want to know. That's exactly what we're trying to uh, to look at because we know dogs live different lengths. They have different lifespans. Dogs also, in general, smaller dogs live longer than big dogs. Right. Um, we know that, uh, we're, well, we're trying to figure out both the genetics and then the environmental factors, which pretty much might be controlled a lot by their owners. And owners may share a lot of those uh, same environmental factors and lifestyles. If a dog is very active, maybe the owner goes out and does a lot of walking and is healthier. If the dog lives in an environment where the owner smoke, well, that dog is going to get acid smoke. Secondhand so, smoke. Yeah, it, exactly. And so we're really trying to look at this wide range of variability between all the different lifestyles and environments of these animals. And then we're going to basically use it to find associations with their health, basically all the different diseases that dogs get. They get cancer, they get kidney disease, they get diabetes, they get congestive heart failure. We'll be able to look at the diseases that they get, and then we will look at the lifespan of the dog also. And our goal is health span. How are we going to keep our dogs healthier and then longer, and then help veterinarians predict how, how long a dog might live and what are some of the things that we might know intuitively. But when that doctor tells you, when that vet says, you've got to do this to help your dog, uh, people might listen. Now, how did you get the uh, families to participate? I, I read that you're looking at literally tens of thousands of dogs. You epidemiologists deal in such big numbers, yeah. and you're very good at counting. So, mm -hmm. How, how does that work out 
Are they all over the country? Are they regional? Basically, it was pure social media and advertising. We got a lot of press at the beginning when the study was launched. We have had 89,000 people, families so far, what we say, nominate your dog and create an interest with the nomination. You simply say, I would like to be a part of the project. We're asking a lot of you. We're going to ask you questionnaires. Tell us all about your dog and your lifestyle and your, your, the environment. You know, do you use DDT on your lawn or uh, how many times a day is the dog walked and do you go to dog parks? And so we're asking a lot of you, but 89,000 individuals nominated their dog. Uh, of those, 46,000 have created a portal, which is basically the data entry for us to send you a questionnaire. It's all electronic. You do have to have a computer in order to be in the study. We just can't handle this volume manually. And uh, 42,000 have already signed informed consent, which means we're not going to do anything you don't want us to do. You are a volunteer. You can say what parts of the study you'd like to be in and which questions you don't want to answer. And then of those, uh, 28,000 are in what we call the DAP Dog Aging Project, DAP PATH. And that means they've already filled out a couple hours of questionnaires to begin telling us about the dog, about them. Anxiety, depression, cognition, those are real things that happen in dogs. And we're going to get to look at it in relationship to all this information that these wonderful owners are giving to us. Now, I'm assuming if you're going to be studying dogs over 10 years or so, you started with families that had young dogs. And old dogs. Right? And old dogs. Because during the time that we are studying a dog, we do need, we don't need, it's sad. I mean, it's the end of life survey. Dogs will die. Right. You will know from enrollment until their death, we will have all of that information. And, and part of it is even something that happens in pets that doesn't happen in humans, really, you know, is, is euthanasia. And how do you make that decision? Quality of life, health span. These are really difficult decisions for dog owners and for veterinarians to try to advise on. And so we're trying to look even we need the older dogs. We need the younger ones to see when disability begins. We need the older ones. So as they begin declining, we can look at the quality of life. At what point did the owner make perhaps make a decision for euthanasia? And we need all ages. And, and we're still recruiting. We're going to be starting another phase of recruitment really shortly. All you have to do is go to the Dog Aging Project, just Google it, and there'll be a nomination form, and you can sign up. Everybody can sign up. We really hope they will. It's really fun. I, I have to tell you, it's a really fun project. That's dogagingproject.org. Yes. And you can uh, nominate yourself. No, your dog. That's what I meant. Stay with me just a minute. We're going to come right back to you. This is fascinating stuff, and uh, we're delighted you all are with us, talking to uh, Dr. Annette Fitzpatrick, who is an epidemiologist, and we're talking about Dr. Patrick, and I'm sure there are other researchers involved as well, in the Dog Project. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, Carol Zerniel, our regular co-host on Special Assignment, and we'll be back in a moment. 
The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Talking with a epidemiologist, a researcher, and Dr. Annette Fitzpatrick at the University of Washington uh, is, is talking about the dog project. That's right, the dog project, and it involves a long, longitudinal, longitudinal study of dogs and aging. And the end result, they hope, will be extrapolating the findings uh, to humans. And we're going to find out about that as well. Dr. Annette Fitzpatrick with us. And Dr. Fitzpatrick, you mentioned that uh, you have dogs of every age who can begin the program uh, because even older dogs, although they won't in most cases live another 10 years, and you still want to see what that end of life looks like. Exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do. And and a lot of it is at what point do new diseases start? Like, for instance, we know golden retrievers tend to get lymphoma. Do different golden retrievers get it at different ages? Is there a reason, perhaps other than breed or, or the genetics, that a golden t- retriever might get lymphoma and another breed doesn't get it? So we are really looking for all ages, all breeds, mutts, purebreds, working dogs, cuddled dogs, spoiled dogs, any type of dog out there, because we want to see the differences to see if we can help it understand uh, length of life as well as health. And and you're not looking necessarily for just purebreds. Definitely not. You've heard the term hybrid vigor. We're going to be able to know specifically, are there certain diseases that the, uh, the mutts uh, the hybrids uh, can withstand where a purebred isn't. And, and because we're doing a lot of high-tech research, we're going to do a whole genome, get the genes on the dogs, we'll get a microbiome, we're going to do metabolome. Uh, there's a, a lot of these high-tech things that are being done on humans now that we'll also do on a, small, a smaller subset, not all 90,000 of the dogs, where, where we can really do some expensive technology to try to figure out what's going on. So you're doing a blood draw on some of these dogs? We are. The main group, it's called the DAP pack. And as I said, we hope we can get well over 100,000 dogs involved. And then from those, we're going to try to get a representative sample. So anyone throughout the United States, unfortunately, we're not going outside of the U.S., but anyone in uh, the United States can be a part of it and get onto the portal, give us your information in the questionnaires, and give us your veterinary records. We need diagnoses from veterinaries for the diseases the dogs are getting so we can verify both self-report as well as as the actual diagnosis. But a certain subset, because it's expensive, they'll be selected to represent dogs across the nation. And then that's where we'll be doing, we will be getting uh, blood draws, asking our our owners to go to the vet, we'll get a blood draw. We have really fun tests. 
Gates, ah. there's a thing. Did you know gait speed in humans is a huge, you know what gait speed is, how fast you walk. Just your normal. And think about an older person, frail, and, and they shuffle, and they're very slow. And a very, you know, young person is moving fast. Gait speed predicts uh, mortality in humans, stroke, dementia, a lot wow. of things. So we're going to do gait speed on a dog. We're going I to like that. run from this end, and we're going to ask our owners. You need two people and uh, get a stopwatch, use your, use your iPhone, and bring a friend, and one's at this end and one's at that end, and you can use a treat at the end, you know, and get how, how fast a dog goes. And we'll take into consideration how long those legs are, how tall that dog is, and things like that to try to, to look at these things we kind of know in humans to see if they also carry over in the dog world. Wow. Now, I have to ask you, and I know you've had this question, why dogs and not cats? <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I don't know. I think cat lovers uh, would question that very, very much. But my own opinion, um, I can't say that there are more dog owners in the United States than cats. I actually don't need the statistics, but we know how devoted dog owners are. We know that, that they, they will do what we ask them to do. It's for the health of their own dog and not so much their own, but future dogs. You're doing something compassionate for the dogs that come as we learn how to, right. to keep the dog healthy. Well, you know, the difference between dogs and cats. Tell me. Well, dogs uh, really will do whatever their masters want. Cats see their masters as staff. <laughs> well, think about that gate speed thing. You think we could get a cat to run across to tell us how fast it can walk? Probably not. I had a cat named Harry. I, I taught to sit. Oh. Takes a, takes a lot of patience. Yeah. On my part, not Harry's. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, although they don't do it anymore, but in the circus, you'd see the big cats where they did train them. Uh, right, they do. Just sit and do all kinds of, quote, tricks using their natural behaviors. Uh, dogs are much more malleable, though. Yeah, and they're loved. Cats are too, but uh, I think it was too difficult to do both. We had to pick one. And you know, our principal investigators who wrote the grant to NIH, they're dog owners, <laughs> they're dog lovers. I think they well, have cats too. But, no, I think it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense to have dogs not. Felines. Anyway, well, do you have, have you taken, uh, how long have you been doing this? We study. started to study, we got the grant three years ago. We started enrolling people. Um, it'll be two years this past January. And it was really slow at the beginning and getting that portal and the whole data system. And it's kind of really running like clockwork right now. And so we can take a lot more uh, dog owners that are interested in joining the study and, and think about you know, what you can do for the future of, of the, the dogs, not just your own breed, all dogs, and maybe humans. Now, what do you anticipate uh, in terms of recommendations and results uh, out of this? Uh, are you going to look at uh, the most, in terms of dog longevity, uh, different ways in which owners uh, were raising their dogs, different ways in which vets were managing a dog's health? Uh, do you plan to come out with that handbook on here from the dog project are steps that seem to really work to increase a dog's longevity? Well, I think the answer to that question is we're going to hopefully find a lot of technical things 
uh, based on, you know, greed and maybe sex of the dog and, uh, and, and we'll look at their microbiome and what they're eating. We'll look at their, their genetics. We'll look at a lot of things, but the environment and the lifestyle of the dog is something we are really interested in doing. Everybody knows exercise is a great thing, but do we have, could I tell you now that if your dog, you know, got an extra half hour, hour of exercise in a day that we could predict your dog would be, uh, live three more years, you know, we're going to be able to do prediction models mm. and, and, and look at the differences across lifestyles and environment, and then try to see how long the dog lives. But then if the dog is beginning to become either cognitively or physically disabled, we'll be able to try to uh, predict when these things might happen. It's going to help vets an awful lot to know what kind of patterns predict health and, and, and how to make decisions about, you know, life and death, which we as owners often we have to do, we're forced to do. Well, you mentioned, uh, and, and it's widely known that uh, small dogs live longer than big dogs. Uh, I, I've had over my lifespan dogs of every size and shape and breed and mix. And for a period of time, I had an Irish Wolfhound, who are absolutely wonderful dogs. They don't live long. They live maybe nine years. And the same is true of Great Danes. I've had Great Danes, which I love dearly. But they also may live 10 or 11 years. If you have a little ankle biter, Chihuahua, (laughs) uh, you know, they never die. They'll live 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years, right? Right. So it, it all depends in many ways, on the size. Right. And, and but you, for, you don't think the, about that when you fall in love with a breed, right? Exactly, exactly. And we need to take that into consideration and have better estimates uh, based on, you know, the breed and the, the size of the dog sure. and the work it does, how long it probably... We're, we are the largest uh, dog study ever in the world. Huh. And because we're doing it over multiple years, uh, longitudinal data is really the way you have to go. You have to do it over time to figure out what's happening. Well, that's what you epidemiologists are really good at, right? Yes, that's what we do. We do it in humans, and now we're doing a that's pretty cool. great dog study. So, Annette, what kind of dog do you have? A golden retriever. Well, because you mentioned they get lymphoma. I know. How's your dog doing? Oh, she died. Oh. I know we're we're oh. uh, we're we're still grieving, which made us one of the guinea pigs for the end of life survey because we had to make that decision when she got so sick. And, right. and uh, you know we all deal with it, and uh, and we'll be getting another dog yet. And I'm not you know I always we got a rescue, and I, I love getting rescue yeah. dogs. And you know maybe we'll we'll get a uh, go to the pound this time and and find someone to to fall in love with. You know. For a period of time, I ran a counseling service here in San Antonio, and we started a group support uh, for people who've lost their dogs or cats or other animals. Uh, and, and unless you've been there, uh, people don't really understand uh, the emotional roller coaster and trauma that losing a pet has on an individual. Uh, and, and that was a very popular group therapy session. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're still grieving. It's been a couple months and, 
and uh, we still see her every day. We still talk to her, you know. Right. But we're finding that even our dog owners, this grieving process has helped. We have a support community online. We have uh, an online community that you can be a part of, especially when you lose your dog for bereavement and grief. We have a blog. There are a lot of advantages for humans to be a part of the study, too. That's pretty cool. What haven't I asked you you want to throw in in the last minute? I do want to give credit to our principal investigators who wrote the grant. We are so grateful they were creative enough to do it. And that would be Daniel Promislow and Matt Haverline from University of Washington and Katie Creevy, who is a veterinarian. She's so awesome from Texas A&M. And she keeps heard on all of our veterinarians. We have a lot of That's pretty cool. You got 89,000 animals. You've got a lot of vets. We do. And we want them involved. That's pretty cool. Well, I really appreciate the chance to talk to you. And again, for people who want to get more on the dog project. Dog aging, aging, dog aging. Dog aging project. Sorry. I was doing shorthand. I know. And and where do they find your website? Just Google dog aging project. It'll come right up immediately. Click on it and, and you can see the portal. You can see how to nominate your dog. Just give us. Five seconds of information, your dog's name, breed, and age. We appreciate you spending time with us. It was my pleasure. Take care. The Dog Aging Project, Dr. Annette Fitzpatrick. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being here on Caregiver SOS On Air. For Carol Zerniel, our co-host, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.